0: Reminder to our children's church workers, we will go on into the Lord's Supper. And please, the rest of us, take our Bibles, God's Word, the Holy Script, turn to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3. If you picked up an outline, it might look scary to you. That's full. We will get through Roman numeral 1 today. And that's all. We need to make certain that we give time to the Matter of the Lord's Supper, not just tack it on. Colossians 3, again verse 1, is making a statement, not a question. If you be risen with Christ to command, seek things that are above, not things on the earth. Verse 4 reminds us that Christ is our life. And we will see Him when we appear with Him in glory. All that being the case, it stands to reason that we would consider our fleshly body dead. That's verse 5 mortify. Dead to the egregious wickedness of this world. We're not to be part of that. It's not okay for us to do it. Because there is grace, we do not go and sin. Yes, where grace abounded, where sin abounded, grace did superabound. Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And then there were some other things that we should, we were told, put off, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of our mouth. We're not to lie one to another. Go over that and over that and over that and over that. Put them off, put them off, put them off, put them off. It is an ongoing thing, this progressive sanctification of the believer, recognizing that it grabbed a hold of us again and we need to deal with it again. Because, verse 10... We have, were initially created in the image of God. Sin took us from that image. Our salvation and now our movement toward Christ-likeness by putting off and putting on brings us toward the image He wants the believer in again. It is an ongoing journey, the Christian moving, moving toward that image of him, Him that created the Christian. And then He goes on, verse 12. He says, also, put on some other things you are god 's elect aren't you you are god's holy aren't you you are god's beloved aren't you then show mercy, show kindness, show humbleness of mind it starts here, recognizing who we are compared to God show meekness, show long suffering, forbear one another, forgive one another as Christ as Christ. what an example of forgiveness, and then above all things put on Charitable love. Put on agape. Do for others. And then we came to verse 15. That was last week. I'm going to read verses 15 and 16 together because they actually belong together even though there's no conjunctive word between them. They go together. And I'll make my point in just a moment. Verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts Did you catch this last week? Let me say it again. The word let, rebuo, 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 and the word rule are the same. Rebuo. Let and rule. So that we could say this, and we are to say this, you govern yourself to be governed by the peace of God. Take it upon yourself, take it upon yourself, discipline, You need to do this to be ruled by, to be governed by the peace of God. To the which, it goes on, to the which also ye are called in one body. Hmm. And be ye thankful. Thank God for what? Well, of everything else that's named there, thank God for the peace of God that can rule if you will concentratedly, purposefully... Let it. Govern yourself to let it rule. And then we go on to verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Now, I want you to look at the rest of that verse. And notice music is involved. We won't get to the music part. What? Music is in the Bible? You knew it was. Over and over and over. But we're going to concentrate on the first part of 16 where it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And these two do go together. Back to peace of God. Peace of God. We need to understand that that is objective and subjective at once. That the peace of God has less to do with the emotion of man than it does with the heart of man, the core of your personality. And God expects that peace to be there and to rule, to have government. We need to remember that. And we need to remember that in light of what he's going to say, the word of Christ. The peace of God, the word of Christ. And he gives us the command to act in government of ourselves, to let that peace of God rule, govern us. Because he is the God when you have, when I have, free movement of life. When everything seems to be in free flow and things seem to be so good, you almost feel like you can see the future. He is God. And He's a God of peace at that time. But He's also the God when all of a sudden walls come up. When all of a sudden it seems like we're in a maze and we can't figure out if I go this way or that way. Same God. Same peace. We just don't know what tomorrow holds. Same God. He's in charge. Same peace can rule. If we'll let it. He's the God when we are in healing or in great health. When we're going through healing. Make sure a CD gets to Sarah Wiley. They call them CDs? Those little round things? Make sure Sarah gets one of those. He's the God of peace and healing. Folks, he's the God of peace. And he is in charge when we are deeply sick. He didn't lose control. Stated in more, a way I could get this, the way I could get this, me and Wesley, Wesley and I, we could get it this way. He's the same God on Christmas Eve as he is on the day before open heart surgery. By the way, you don't feel the same? You don't feel the same? But he's the God of peace for both. And, and, he is the God of peace and in control in this wicked, tumultuous mayhem of earth that we live in. And he's taking care of everything. It's a beautiful divine tapestry he sews and he doesn't drop a stitch. Beautiful. And it's okay. And he will be okay with us. But the fact of the matter is, church, believers, I'm preaching this to to myself all week long. I'm just now starting to think, ah, this is making sense. That verse on peace, let the peace of God rule. It bonds you in one, that's part of the verse, and be thankful for it. You can be thankful if you'll access it. It then goes right in into verse 16 where he says let the word of Christ dwell in you and I want to stop for a moment this was phenomenal to me God's word is always phenomenal to us by the way the word let in verse 16 look at it the word let in 16 and the word dwell are both the same word and no they aren't rule not now they are innocuous I'm saying it best I know how. I said it over and over. I said, it sounds like Pinocchio. Okay, so say Pinocchio if you want to. They are the same word. Do you know what they mean? Well, they mean basically what the latter of the two says. Dwell in. So, you are to say this. Dwell in the word of Christ as it dwells in you. Well, you can't dwell in the word of Christ if you do not bathe yourself in it. I listen to CD, uh, God's, God's Word on CD all the time, all the time, all the time. This week I'm going back through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just let it run, let it run, let it run. You want to know Christ? You want to know the Word of Christ? Don't go anywhere without putting it in. Oh, I put my in my radio. Stop that. Stop that. That's probably garbage. Throw it away. Get something in there that brings glory to God. By the way, the end of that verse does have music. But it's not going to have music for the sensual man. It's going to have music for the glory of God. I mean it. It's not going to appeal to our senses. It's going to praise the holy God of the universe. So put that in and make sure it's full of doctrine. Like the songs we sang this morning. Wasn't that beautiful? His robes for mine. But also put the scripture in there. And then you read it and you read it and you read it and you read it. We get to that more in a little bit. You see, back to this matter of peace. He said, Govern yourself to let to have peace of God rule you. And now he is saying, Dwell in the word as it dwells in you. Hmm. You see, God made us, true. Please nod. He made us, he's our creator, true. And he knew that we are dust and therefore he knows that we are sensory people. He knows that we need to hear or touch or see. He talks about the aroma of God's word, the savor of God. He knows that we are sensory people. And so you know what he said? He said, you want that peace? Let me give you a sensory way of taking it in. It would be right here. You can't let the word of God dwell in you richly unless you read it or have Alexander Scorby read it to you. And does he do a nice job of reading the word. Over and over and over and over. Let it waft over you until it is rich. We will get to that point. I think it's point two. We won't get there today. And then he will go on to say, by the way, another way that peace of God rules in you is through the latter part of the verse. Let's go back to verse 16 and read it again. Let the word of Christ dwell in the word of Christ that the Christ dwells in you richly in all wisdom. What kind of wisdom? All wisdom. Then he goes on. Teaching and admonishing who? One another. That would be you to you and you to you and you to you and you to you. Teaching and admonishing one another and doing it in some special ways as well with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's in the Word, the music of the church is of eternal value to the God of the universe. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Will we break that down, take a look at your outline. It'll go for a while. Now, let's go back to this first part. Back to your outline. Once again, there's no conjunctive word between 16, 15, and 16. There's obvious parallel between the peace of God. It runs side by side with the word of Christ. The peace of God in our heart, the word of Christ in our heart. That dwelling, that indwelling of the word will make up points one and two of your outline. And then the command to properly administer the word will be parts three and four. Let's just take a look at them. Do you have your outline? Number one, the benefits of the indwelling word. We'll deal with those four parts, and then we'll stop today. Number two, the measure and manner of the indwelling word. Hmm, richly, yes. Then Roman numeral three, the outward use of the indwelling word And Roman numeral four, the biblical authority for administering the indwelling word through music. Something that seems to be very important to this church. We're going to ratchet it up by Roman numeral four. Okay, let's go. Thank you. That was an amen from granddaughter. Roman numeral one. The benefits of the indwelling word. Number one. Go please to First Thessalonians. About ten minutes on this point and then we'll go to the Lord's Supper. First Thessalonians 1 and verse 8. We will fill the blank in just a moment. Verse 8. Paul is writing to a church. Oh, how I want for him to be able, if he were here today, to be able to write this about First Baptist Church of Akron, Colorado. It will be up to you. He could write it about a church in Thessalonica. You know where that is? Well, Macedonia. North of Greece. The Balkan Peninsula. About those believers, he said, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, that would be southern down into Greece, but also in every place. Your faith to God's word is is spread abroad, now get this, so that we need not speak anything. Back up. He said about them that the word of faith, these things of God, had so taken over in them, it was so obvious the indwelling word, that, fill in the blank, a thriving faith, That was worthy of note. A thriving, you might put in there, a flourishing faith. An abounding faith. Put the word that, that resonates for you. A thriving faith. Paul could say, it is so obvious, the words in you, that everybody knows about. The fact of the matter is, people do go from here from time to time. It is not unusual for us to be missing people from this church because they're someplace else. And they are talking about their church when they're gone. That would be us. And they're saying, my church just knows the Word. My church loves the Word. My church imparts the Word. And one of the ways they impart it is to 90 little children every Wednesday night. So that those children have the Word of God in graphic, So that it can one day be richly indwelling in them. It's called a Awana. Let me give you another plug for that. This community knows, you send your kids over there, those people with the indwelling word are going to give it to our children. It's sad note, but it might bypass a generation, but the generation that shows up here every Wednesday night is getting the word. And it's worth it for you to be part of it. No excuses. Help us out. Jump on so that it can sound out from us that there is a thriving faith worthy of notice by the community. And the fact of the matter is that little child that you teach that verse to, you, know, you say it this way, say it again, say it again, say, say it again. Must be talking to Keith. Just kidding. Say it again. And then that child goes out and takes it to mommy and daddy, who don't want anything to do with church, but they can't get away from it. Because the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two edged sword, and you sent the sword into their house. And that little child grows up to be a pastor, a missionary, an evangelist. I don't want to work or a Sunday school teacher someday, telling other people about the Lord. It's the right thing to do. It will be a thriving faith. The benefit of the indwelling Word is a thriving faith, worthy of note. Number two, go please to Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2. I'm taking a portion of that first scripture that I gave you. I'll begin reading in verse 5. Hebrews 2, verse 5. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the worlds to come, whereof we speak, but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of? him, And the son of man that thou would even visit him. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of thy hand thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet for in that he put all in subjection under him he let nothing that is put under him not put under him but now we see not the things which are put under him sounds like double talk it's not it clears up now verse 9 But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for suffering death crowned with glory and honor and by grace of God should taste death for every man. I want you to skip on to chapter 4. We need to keep moving. Chapter 4 and verse 14. Seeing then that we have this great high priest. Hmm, Now he's a high priest. He was suffering death, but now he's a great high priest. That is passed into heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now skip down to chapter 6 and verse 1 where it says, therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ Let us go on to perfection. What is he saying? There it is. The whole point. The the benefit of the indwelling word gives us the knowledge of, you've got it, the life, the ministry, the message, the sacrifice, and the ultimate reign of Christ. To hear it again and again and again, to know it again and again and again. Every time I put that CD in and listen to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I go, I didn't know that. Now it's coming together. You see, we have an infinite word here. Infinite means infinite. We have an eternal word. Eternal means eternal. I am very temporal. I can learn something every time I take it in, and so can you. And so as we take it in, we learn more. We get the knowledge of His life, the knowledge of His ministry, the knowledge of His message, His sacrifice, His reign one day. And it makes it so that the indwelling word becomes rich in us. We will get to that in time. And then he says, now, once you have these principles of the doctrine of Christ, you can move on toward, what's the word? Perfection. It's a word for maturity. More like Christ. It doesn't mean some plateau, some level to which you're trying to reach, but a maturing of your Christian life. Growing and growing and growing. Because you have learned Christ, you've learned Christ, you've learned Christ. You can take the doctrine of Christ and now make application. Let's go on. John chapter 15. John 15. You'll want to put this entire outline together in time and meditate on it. Make sure that you're looking at the scripture over and over and over. It is the scripture, not the points that a human wrote down. John 15 and verse 7. If ye abide in me, Jesus said, remember at this point, Jesus is on on his way to heaven. The disciples don't completely understand this. Otherwise, they wouldn't have scattered at the cross. We disciples today can sing his robes for mine, but if we'd been back there, we'd probably scattered too. They were sheep without a shepherd. So if before the cross, if they are before the cross in this scenario, then they still weren't grasping this completely, but they would. They would in time. And one of the things he was saying, once again, back to the verse, if ye abide in me and my what? Words. Whose words? Well, those would be Christ's. Let the word of Christ, what? Abide or dwell. If my words abide in you, what does he go on to say? Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. The God of the universe said that. The God that makes your heartbeat said that. The God that created you and is preparing a place for you said that. So your point in your notes is this. A proper and effective prayer life is a benefit of the indwelling word. A proper, proper. Circle that in your notes. There is very improper prayer life. Praying that we could heap it upon our lust. God doesn't want us to pray that way. And the more we know of the word, the more it indwells us, the more it grooms, shaves, corrects, molds a proper prayer life. So we get to the point that we don't even think dumb prayers. I wonder how many times I've prayed, I speak respectfully, and the Lord up in heaven was going, yeah, I'm going to do that for you. That would be to your eternal heart. And the God of heaven is agape love. He loves in the best interest of us. He doesn't just lavish us with junk. He knows that's not good for us. The more we know Christ, the better we will pray. How did Christ pray in the garden? That would be a good example. When the disciples said, teach us to pray, he didn't say, well, when you talk to the Lord, ask him for a million bucks and a Porsche. He didn't say that that when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, you are holy, holy, holy. I need to forgive others because you've forgiven me so much. And you know what I need and I'm asking you to grant my needs. Give me a fat soul and a skinny wallet rather than a fat wallet and a skinny soul. We'll learn how to pray properly from the indwelling word. And then the last one. Go please to... No, don't. Just look up here. I want to see your lips move. The last point is this. It's from Psalm 119, verse 11. Say it with me, class. Ready? Thy have I. What do we hide in our heart? This wonderful word. And what does it do for us? Fill your blank with the word sin or transgression or any of the other synonymous terms. It is a clear deterrent to sin. We hide that in our heart. We go to do something that we know we shouldn't and all of a sudden the engrafted Word dwelling richly in us smites us. It drags us away. It turns our face around. It gets our feet going in the right direction because we've so taken in the Word a Christian that's on their way to heaven that can go to the world and live in the world away from communion with the Father, I will guarantee you it's a Christian that doesn't know the Word, doesn't seek the Word, doesn't allow it to dwell richly in them. And there's your message. We need it. The main message for you is that Jesus died on the cross for you. If you're here without Christ as Savior, there is a clear, very plain passage heaven. It's given in the word. We want you to know it. In a moment we're going to sing a song and we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. After that we'll sing again and go out. But I want you to know that if you're here without Christ we want to show you. The person sitting in front or behind you or next to you wants to show you how you can go to heaven if you were to die today. You have an invitation to come to Christ. Let's pray together. Our Father God in heaven, Thank you for your wonderful word. There's not one in this room that has made enough of it. We all desperately need to understand the fullness of it, the importance of it, the help of it, the growth from it, the strength that we can get, the readiness for heaven that comes from your indwelling word. Help us to dwell in your word as it dwells in us. Bring glory to yourself, to your Son, as we observe the remembrance of his broken body and shed blood on our account. In Jesus' name, amen.